All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you. This is my boomstick. What's your favorite scary movie? What's up, whoreheads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel Devona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are joined this week by a brand new friend of the show uh, and uh, one of the stars of The Mutilator 2 coming hopefully soon to a theater near you. That seems to be the plan. That's what we're hoping for. We're joined by Carl J. Grasso. Carl, how are you, man? Hi, man. I just stopped for the, the cake and coffee, but I don't see any cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We uh Dave and I are both doing like a low sugar thing right now, so we've been we've been low on the cake. We'll have to we'll, we'll anyway, no cake. Back. All right, I'm out. Bye. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I um you know the shit show I don't, this I don't, place I don't know out of the cake. Off to. The my so, um Carl, you are the the first guest to that we've had on that um is somebody who just kind of found us organically and uh was a fan of the show and we're very happy that you emailed us and we're happy to have you on, man. Like, uh, so we, we always bring people on the first time. We like to ask them, like, how did you get into horror, man? Like you, we've, we've been talking, we've been emailing. You're obviously a big fan of the genre. Where did that start for you? I've been a horror movie fan since I was, geez, a kid, just watching really bad TV. I'm old enough that mm-hmm. I had a television in my room when I was a little boy and it was black and white. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I had a, I had cable, I had a cable <laughs> box, but it didn't have a remote either. So I had to sit there with the dial. Change the dial. Yeah. yeah. And all the millennials like, what the fuck is he talking about right now? So yeah, like literally, and I'd be watching like Halloween and then like something would scary would happen. I changed the channel to like golden girls. You know? And then I go back and see what happened to Michael Myers. And I changed back to like two, two, seven or something. I'm like, Oh God. You know, it was uh, my love of it. And then I watched one movie. Night of the Creeps on like USA. What a great movie! Oh my god, God, I love that movie. Fred Decker, what a fucking director! It was cut to hell, obviously, because it was television. And I'm like, this isn't that scary. It's kind of funny. And then I kind of, when I got older, I got into the VHS phase. Uh, Your audience has no idea what a VHS is at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And I got the oh wow, you mean you know when the guy had a shotgun, he blew off the zombie's head. This is awesome. Yeah. And then I got, you know, into college. My my friend was like into deep cuts of like Italian horror movies. And you want to see something really disgusting? And then he showed me something <laughs> that was really disgusting. And <laughs> and uh, I remember the same sense. But, you know, through that, I actually got into um, acting because everybody on the planet with a camera wants to make a horror movie. Right. Every filmmaker will want to. Make it. Spielberg did it. Everyone did it. Like everyone made like a small, short little horror movie. I did. I did as well. Um, and then I got into theater in college and more or less got into English, started um, doing more behind the scenes stuff, learning more of my craft. And then finally, in 2014, 15, I had a health scare where I almost died. Mm. I had pneumonia. And Jeez. I said, do I really want to 
go out not trying to live my dream. So I got cast in a couple short little horror movies. And then it grew into bigger movies where we were on Tubi and Vimeo and YouTube and Amazon Prime at one point. So all the way now where I have an agent and I'm auditioning for television shows and for parts in movies with Oscar winners. Um, That's that's incredible, man. So how I got involved in in The Mutilator, um, Buddy Cooper, the director, reached out. um, I put in an application and uh, he said, well, I think I have a great part for you. I didn't know. Honestly, I didn't know who he was. So I was kind of like, yeah, okay. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It's a movie from 1984. And then I watched it and I'm like, this is great. And then I realized that the original Mutilator has a giant cult following. It does. Yeah. And you go, wait, what? what? But it was also known as Full Break for a while. Yeah. So I knew it. I saw a little bit of it, like on USA up all night. Like I, I keep saying that, but like, so I think I saw like a piece of it. I'm like, oh, I remember, the, I remember this guy under the stairs. And but then, as I kept like researching Buddy, and I met him in North Carolina at a monster con, and he helped me out a little bit, a little bit. He helped me out a lot. We went on a panel and discussed the sequel, and um, my horror cred went up completely. And this film, The Mutilator 2, should be coming out, I believe, fingers crossed, this summer. I'm guessing this summer. Well, but, it's, uh, summer's the perfect time for horror. Man, that's, yeah, that's, like, we, you know, like, you get you go back and you get so many of those ones with the, the summer camp aesthetic and stuff like that. But just the, the, the heat of the summer is what makes uh, just a horror movie so perfect. Like, this summer into fall, that, that's when they're best for, I agree. And I, 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 ho- hopefully, hopefully it does come out. Um, I mean, I can't speak for something I don't know about, but um, you guys are going to love this movie when it comes out. I, uh. I love the trailer. I got to tell you, I love the approach of the original Mutilator being a movie. Um, yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. And uh, it's so weird the way that um, like you equate certain movies with with each other. Like I always put the Prowler and yeah. Um, uh, my bloody Valentine, like in the same headspace together, yep. and the mutilator and the slayer for me always occupy the same headspace. Uh, you know, they take place on these little islands and uh, you know, kind of secluded. Uh, you know, very small cast. I love those two movies, um, and, and I, I think of them as kind of like the the perfect slashers because uh, they're not highbrow. They're exactly what you want. Give me the blood. Give me the guts. Give me a couple of jokes and uh, and, and and bring on the cheese. Heavy, heavy cheese. Like yes, I, I yes. want this to be melting pot. I'm dipping, you know, <laughs> fruits and veggies and bread right into this cheesiness. I, you I know, and, and 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 Mutilator Two seems to be going that route. As fantastic, you know. And Mark Schulstrom did the original special effects for the first movie. Yeah, the guy who did Evil Dead Two's effects, yep. and we have Joe Castro who's done. Quite a lot. I mean, uh, you can look him up. He's done um, um, multiple horror movies, and he's amazing. He's, okay. Uh, it's, it's good to going, hear. It's going to be incredible. I just can't talk about it because I don't want to be mutilated. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, man, we are happy to have you. And uh, for for everybody who listens, you know, we were out last week. I got I had the flu and strep uh, in one week, and thought I would be recovered in time. Ended up not. Just just couldn't really make it for the ninety minutes. So we are starting this week 
with our uh, celebration on our Black History Month, we have decided to dedicate, whereas last February we focused on the Valentine's Day aspect of things and we did movies about love and things like that. This year we are focusing on black horror. We have found four movies from black directors. And uh, instead of our normal routine of kind of moving our way backwards, we're going to start early on this time around and move our way forward. So this week we are starting with the 1972. Some call it an exploitation film. Yeah, probably. It's got it. And it it is Blackula. Uh, Blackula released, like I said, in 1972 uh, was, I mean, it it was a big deal. When it came out, it's uh, it was the first time that there had been a a black vampire on screen. It was uh, directed by William Crane, who uh, who did quite a few other things. But this movie was, I mean, it was it was kind of a movement, and it cemented itself real well by acknowledging the Dracula mythology um, as a lot of people know it. And then moving forward and creating their own story within that. So when we look at this updated idea of what a Dracula film is like, um, how does it kind of situate itself in the the genre of of horror and black horror? I'll start with you, Carl. Well, it, it is important uh, that if you think about it, because it came out in 1972, it kind of predates a lot of movies, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Texas Chainsaw, you know. Yeah. Um, alien, like everything in the, the 70s that go up into the 80s before the slasher phase. And this was right in the middle of, I think Shaft came out in 1971 or Superfly or something like that. So it was like mm-hmm. par for the course. Like we need a black, <laughs> we need a, uh, a black horror villain of some sort. Right. So yeah. they just, I mean, I, I can imagine in the room, they're like, what about like Blackula? And probably <laughs> after the laughter died, like, I'd black Dracula. That's great. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I, I I love to imagine that that's that's the idea. Like they're sitting around, like, all right, so we want it. We, he's like, I want a movie. I want a vampire. I want him to be black. Let's see, vampires, Dracula, black Dracula. Oh my god! Like this, this like it's it's one of those moments. Where just the huge light bulb comes on over his head. This was a happen. Roger Corman movie, so you know there was a bunch of people in a room snorting a lot of cocaine. I'm sure, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, because I think Blackenstein came later. Um, there's Doctor mm-hmm. Doctor no Doctor Hyde and Mister Black. Which yeah, is that was also Black. William Crane. That yeah, was also watch, William just Crane. Just watch yes, the trailer. That's all you have to do is watch the trailer. It is like the best trailer ever made because the guy's <laughs> voice, I think it's Adolf Caesar, says like the funniest rhymes on the planet. Like, don't give him no sass, or he'll kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. That's actually the trailer. So right. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, Blackenstein was a, a year or two later. It was seventy three, seventy four. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. So yeah. So this was this was the precursor to that. Uh, Dave, so I um, I had never seen Blackula and um, being a big fan of Hammer Horror, um, I was very aware of the other Dracula movie that was released in 1972, uh, which is called Dracula AD 1972. Um, I always liked that movie for its uh, it's kind of like throwback aesthetic while trying to seem modern and, and current um, hip and with it as, uh, as Dr. Evil would say. Right. Um, (laughs) 
but it definitely seems old school. It seems like it's coming out of the 50s and pretending to be that. So, like, it's putting on a pair of, uh, like, Jenko jeans and Vans. and uh, But it's not really hitting the skate park. You know what I mean? Um, you mean the bell bottoms and the go-go boots. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, no, I'm, I'm throwing out references I know here, right? Um, yeah, th- th- that's my generation. Blackula, however, feels very modern. It, yeah. it, it feels like an actual um, re-examination of what makes horror horror and how do we make it modern and current? And then also, how do we put the, the Black narrative into it? And, and that's, that's one of the things that, for me, I, I love about these like very um ethnic specific kind of movies where you get um like asian horror or you get uh latino horror which we don't get enough of um is how does this story that we're so familiar with play out in the eyes of this specific person right and um it's fantastic I was blown away. I did not expect to like Blackula this much. I thought it was going to be cheesy. I thought it was going to be along the vein of uh, Dracula AD 1972. And it was not. It was fantastic. It was so fucking good. The cast is absolutely incredible. Uh, the music. Oh, my. I mean, I expected the, the music, music to be good. I was just because you know it's every the song that got you. Yeah. The music got you. Every exploitation movie I've ever seen. The, the even if it's not good, the music is just stellar. <laughs> oh right? yeah, from that and, period, yeah. And and this did not disappoint in that department, and and it, it was surprisingly well written. Like I I wrote down a couple of lines where I was like, "Fuck, that is just gold." That line, um, and uh, I I gotta say, this fits into the Dracula mythology like a glove. It's 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 incredible the way that this this can be woven into the draft. And, and that's the other thing is that it is respectful of the work that came before. It's a reassessment of it, looking at it through the eyes, because I, I, I love that idea of like Dracula was always this like very suave debonair villain, you know, like you were attracted to him, but you knew he was going to eat you and kill you. Right. But there was that attraction and they did away with it in this movie. Where it was like, no, Dracula is a fucking racist because why wouldn't he be? Right. right? He's yep. he's the fucking problem. You know, he's no different than than uh, than any you know German or Englishman or Frenchman or Spaniard that came around and said, uh, "Now nah, I'm gonna take it because I want it." And and so looking at him in that way without changing anything about him. That's what makes, I think, a, is such a great reassessment of the mythology. And it fits right in there because it's like, yeah, all, all those movies, the Bela Lugosi ones and the Christopher Lee ones. Yeah, they all happen. Yeah. And now we've got this story. It's, it's, it's a fantastic way to kind of shoehorn it in there. And I, I loved it. Yeah, I uh, I this is this is my second time seeing this movie. Uh, I saw it for the first time, um, I, like oh eight oh nine, around the time when um, Tarantino and Eli Roth did that Grindhouse double feature. Yeah, that was and good I got and I got really into just learning about exploitation films in general. Mm-hmm. Like I always kind of knew they were a thing, and I just always kind of just thought that they were 
just cheesy horror movies. And so I started kind of deep diving just this this concept of different types of exploitation films and and stumbled upon this one. And but like, you know, but also you know, keep in mind, I was like 25. So, mm, <laughs> yeah, I didn't remember. I was I wasn't doing deep analysis of it. I was just watching. Right. It, right? So. Uh, so now, uh, you know, fast forward 15, 16 years, whatever. And I, I was watching it last night and I'm with you, Dave. Like I remember all I remembered was it being cheesy and I, I was I wasn't really looking for anything from it. Uh, so this time around, kind of watching it uh, analytically and enjoying some of the smaller things about it, I really did appreciate so many of the things uh, that they did um, namely the main one being what you were talking about the fact that they didn't try to recreate the history of the vampire they didn't come up with they, they didn't pretend like blackula was just something that they came up with and didn't acknowledge dracula Right. They, they, I mean, Dracula gave yeah, him he's a vampire, name. but like he just sparkles. Right. And, exactly. And he doesn't have any fangs. <laughs> exactly. But he's a vampire. But he's a vampire. Um, and so they, 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 they worked with what was there, but then they made a movie that was, it was unashamed of its, of, of, of its blackness. I, I guess if that's, if that's a word that I can use, right. It's, it was, they created a movie that was, a celebration of everything that was part of the culture in the early seventies. And they, they, they took all of that stuff head on and it was really, really great to see that. And so often when people only approach these exploitation films or, and in particular these black exploitation films from the perspective of seeing them as something cheesy they they miss out on the fact that the that the reason it's cheesy is because they purposefully went over the top with it to make it very in your face because it was underrepresented culture and so they were just going to beat you over the head with it and make you see all of these different things and this movie does that so well like what you but like what you said though but also if if Hammer were to release a Dracula set, they could put this in the box and nobody would think anything of it. Yeah, you could absolutely tell somebody it's like, oh yeah, I like Hammer Horror. Be like, cool, watch watch Dracula. You know, watch Curse of Dracula, watch Blood of Dracula, watch Blackula, and they'd be like, yes, these all fit together perfectly, <laughs> yeah. right? It, it, it all it all makes sense. And it was just it was it was respectful of all of that while creating its own thing. And that was really, really cool. I enjoyed that the cast was was anything but one note. I mean, we didn't we didn't get just one type of male character. We didn't get just one type of female character. We, you know, we we these went real from, people. These were real people, absolutely. I mean, we've got you know we we've got our doctor our doctor Thomas, and we, you know he's he's very respected in his field and very very good at his job. And then we got Skillet, man, and yeah. Skillet Skillet's just. You know, he they're 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 all over the place, but it's that is it's one a, strange dude. Oh my god. Uh, just his, his fascination <laughs> with the one cape. strange dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, and so in one movie, again, when you when you go back to the 70s and, and you watch movies in general, when you look at the role of a black character, they usually fall into you know one of a handful of stereotypes. 
and um, and hell, you could say the seventies, but I mean, when we look at when we look at the movies that that black actors are winning Academy Awards for now, what are they winning them for? Doing a better job of falling into those stereotypes. You know, kind all anybody true. all anybody could talk about was Green Book, Twelve Years a Slave, and all these things. And it's like, okay, yeah. so we're just the help. Yeah, the yeah. help. Yeah. There we go. We're just we're just making modern movies of the same stereotypes. So it, it but so it's great to go back. I mean, what? That's fifty years. Yeah, it's and, a fifty-one-year-old movie. Yeah. Just, yeah, and and see that it's like no that. The representation's been there if, if you were willing to find it. And and that I loved. It just, I was really blown away at this point in my life. Oh, Tim Hatch. Thought he was going to chime in, yeah. but didn't have anything to it's say like, there. It's, uh, I, I'm not sure if maybe this is an existential comment. It, <laughs> it seems deep. That or it's an emoji that StreamYard doesn't recognize. But Oh, it could be. Yeah, so <laughs> there was just, there, there were so many things that, that we're about to get into that made this, so good for a movie that like you were talking about with old slashers this movie is pure cheese mm -hmm. it's 100 percent cheese but it's i mean it's a it's a it's a fine baked brie man it's a it's Ooh. a good good cheese <laughs> and so i'm i'm i was here for it this this ended up being far just light years better than anything i expected out of it i am a brie man uh, if, if I you if I had like to, uh, yeah I know I do thank you uh, <laughs> if um, if I had to choose one cheese to have for the rest of my life it would probably be brie. See I'm a I'm I'm, I'm I'm a hard cheese guy. Give me a good a good good manchego. Oh, I like a manchego. Yeah, yeah, yeah something, something something that goes good with it's like uh, grapes, beer, cheese. That that's that's my scene. Well, it's kind of like a feta cheese, more like a, that's a pub cheese or something. There I, we I, go. I like yeah, 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 like yeah, a, a pub yeah. cheese. Yeah, all right. Look at us. Yeah, w welcome to Shiver, a dairy podcast, <laughs> a cheese podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, as we talk about, um, you know, different things that we're going to get into throughout the show, let's get into the first thing. Uh, let's talk about the story in a section that we're calling from Transylvania to New York. So, um, this is uh, it's it's incredible, uh, and we've kind of mentioned it a little bit, but it, it is at once no different than any other Dracula movie or any other vampire movie that came before it. And yet it is drastically different. It Correct. is, it, it, it is the same and it is not, it, it's almost like, um, like Schrodinger's cat. It, it both is and isn't dead until <laughs> you decide what it is, you know? Right. Um, so um, how does this story of, of love lost, um, of, of, of horror, Right. Uh, how does it work um, as uh, as as a as a work of of horror as a as a social commentary? How does it work for you? And we're we're gonna throw it to you, Carl, first. Well, that beginning scene before the awesome animatic credit scene with that really funky music mm, that yeah. I can't get out of my head. That's gonna be my ringtone from now on. The Black Killer theme. <laughs> it's actually a great like comment when uh his name isn't blackula he's given the name blackula and then they never say blackula ever again yeah in the right. it's in, just mama waldy Prince yeah. mama waldy yeah. and it's basically dracula is like a white slave trader and like they're having an argument where mama waldy wants to stop slavery yeah and 
you know, like you were saying before, like uh, the guy's a colossal, Dracula is a colossal racist. Yeah. Go um, yeah. figure that this guy who has no regard for human life has no regard for human life. Has even less regard right. for other human lives. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird. Like I, I always thought of Dracula as, as like the bad guy, but I never thought of him as a monster. <laughs> so I saw this. <laughs> I don't know if that's could, weird. You could suck all the blood and kill all the people, but don't be racist, dude. But don't yeah. Be, yeah. Right? Don't, yeah, don't be a dick <laughs> About it. <laughs> well, William Marshall had a big hand in writing the character because they wanted something oh, okay. completely different. And he's like, uh, no. And I mean, as an actor, I could probably guess William Marshall didn't want to be playing a vampire because he the guy was a stage actor and he was in other movies where you know he played Othello. The guy was a real the real deal. Just listen right. to the guy's voice and you're like, Yes, oh, just yeah, listen like, to that voice. Let me try to get it, you know. Sir, I suddenly find your cognac as distasteful as your manner. <laughs> I'm going to talk like this from now on. <laughs> you find, you know, humanity and brutality. Like, uh, hey, so Carl, good. if this podcast thing doesn't work out, I see a future in, uh, in acting, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be the next. I can't be the next black. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. But like Let's I sit not. there and and I and I but like as an actor, I look at it and I and I'm mesmerized by him. Mm-hmm. Like the guy yeah. just just by his voice, but like he's doing more than he should for a movie called Blackula. Like he rises, mm-hmm. he, he makes this a character. And it just it, it does take me out of the movie when the when Dracula turns around and says, I will call you Blackula. But no one calls him <laughs> yeah. black because you you gotta openly laugh at that and go, What? Right. <laughs> and you know, and then it trans. Uh, then we're we're in New York with two um, very over the top gay people, mm-hmm. or two actors who don't know how to play gay. So um, yeah, like yeah. just just I I don't know if they were really bad at it or really good at it. Like, it was just... well, when you when you talk like this, obviously you must be of you know, just, and I got a just big afro for no reason and um a cigarette holder and i'm just gonna talk like that holder yeah but you know it, and you're like what one, one, what one step at, at a time you know one step at a time you know we're working on uh you know on black representation in this movie we'll work on on on, <laughs> on, on the gay representation in another we'll get there where we can unite you know black and gay in, i didn't make this movie. movie i saw <laughs> this is what i saw <laughs> And it was shocking to me. Not really, but I mean, it was nineteen seventy. Again, guys, it's fifty years ago. Right. Yeah. Okay. Let's no political, uh, you know, poli- the the political correctness police because it's fifty years ago. You don't have a time machine. You can't slap them around. Okay. Right. It's very impressive that William Marshall was the star of a film, you know, in that era. Yes, granted, mm-hmm. it was a horror movie where he was Blackula, but I mean, the movie, like we were saying, it stands on its own as its own retelling as a vampire story. It just does. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, it's, we, uh, so Dave and I used to do uh, Geek More together. And one time we did film vampires. And uh, so I was can there cheese? Ass- did you have cheese during the, the Geek More? <laughs> no, yeah, no, there, was, there was no cheese. Um, I used to drink more. Um, and so, because that one wasn't as serious. Uh, so I, what's funny as as we get into approaching the story on this, I, I I in my head and Dave, just tell me if you think this is how it's going to play out. My constant comparisons uh, are, for this are going to be to like more more modern Dracula movies, whereas I could see you drawing a lot of like Lee comparisons and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so here we oh, go. Yeah. So 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 we're going to give it to you at both barrels here. So. <laughs> 
My absolute favorite part of this. Uh, so I unabashedly love Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that that movie is just phenomenal. And I think that one of the reasons that movie is so good is the Oceans of Time storyline that, yeah. that, that, that just makes that movie move. And I think that what's incredible is that same story happened here. And I know that that's, you know, like I said, that it's not that, you know, they, they didn't recreate, they didn't create that with the Bram Stoker's Dracula film. It comes from the original uh, book. But I love that while telling this story of another vampire, they beautifully recreated that Oceans of Time storyline. That idea that, that, vamp that, that Dracula lives forever or in this case, Blackula, and that the love that he lost uh, upon receiving this curse, he's now getting another chance at it. And that part of this story is what sets this apart from so many bad vampire movies. Like Dave said, I've always picked, you always picture Dracula as a bad guy. But whether or not you picture him as a monster kind of depends on what part of that story you're looking at. And what we got here out of this story was a there was not only there wasn't just a vampire terrorizing New York. There was a man who was cursed and lost the love of his life and was now getting another shot at it. And that idea for at least a personal redemption, because you can you can only assume that there's a great amount of failure to be felt there um, from Mama Walde's point of view, because he being himself and being outspoken set into motion the the series of events that led to the love of his life dying. Now he comes back and he gets another shot at that and Yes, he's a vampire and he has to protect himself and, and he has to he has to feed to live. But ultimately, what we've got here is is a man who's in love and just desperately wants another shot at that. And that part of this story is fantastic that I I just I, I loved that so much. As soon as Tina showed up, I was like, OK, I know exactly where you're going with this because that's Vanetta McGee again. So this great. Yes. Run with this. Please don't let this be a one-off thing. And, and they did. And that became a driving point of the story. And the, the main thing that draws your attention, you've got this, uh, you've got this story of Dr. Thomas trying to figure out why there are suddenly vampires in New York. <laughs> and, and, and that part's cool and that's fun. And that's where the action comes in. But the, the, the love across oceans of time storyline as as this movie is what ninety four minutes the 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 one with Gary Oldman is much much longer, yeah. but still that's the storyline that pulled that's the through line for everything else that's happening. That's the reason you keep watching the, the movie and you get so sucked in, and that's what it was here the whole time. I'm just is is are they are they going to get together? Are they going to get to run away and live some sort of you know just crazy in love vampire life? And so that part of the story is what made this movie really, really powerful and made it a, a, a an equally important stone in the Dracula mythos because it told that story that we all know and that we're all familiar with when it comes to the, the Dracula mythos. And I, I thought that that was a genius move 
in telling this story. I think that it created a multifaceted vampire who you one moment were, were hoping that, that Dr. Thomas would kill and, and the next moment hoping he would get away. And I couldn't, I was just amazed at how beautifully that story was told. And so when it comes to kind of how all of this fits in with all of it, that right there cements it as, as equally important as so many things, because that part of the story is what makes uh, a vampire, a relatable character. And when you can do it in a way where it's not just completely stupid as to, as 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 other vampires who we have you know kind of mentioned uh, here tend to do with their movies when you can tell a love story and and create a character that you empathize with in a vampire that's super impressive. That's great. I'm gonna have to up my uh, my ante here now. <laughs> um, oh, he's pulling out the cheese. The cheese was. <laughs> uh, that I've crossed oceans of time for you um, is definitely my favorite part of the Dracula novel and something that they don't really get at in, in most of the movies they do get at in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, I think that there's a lot of that here and there's, there's a line that Mama Walde says that um, it, it immediately hit me and I was like, what, a beautifully written line that harkens back to that line from the novel and does it and reinterprets it for the black man in 1972. And uh, he says to Tina, he says, I have lived again to lose you twice. And, yeah. and, and, and to me yep. that, that one line of dialogue encapsulates what, I think this movie's about, and I say that because, as a, as a literature teacher, I love analysis. But I'm coming at this from my lived experience. I'm not black. Um, obviously, if you're watching live, you can tell. Shocker! I'm, if you I'm, only I'm, listen, I'm to not us. black, right? Um, you know, I I'm a white Latino kid. Uh, I say kid. I'm 35 now. I'm, I'm not really a kid <laughs> anymore. Uh, from uh, from Miami. You know, so that is my life experience. But I can try to take what I have learned from all of literature and from black literature and try to analyze this. And what what I'm seeing is that this is a movie about the injustices that are done to specifically black men and how in their desire have not anything other than what they are owed than what is just the 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 world says no man you can't right. have that and you can't have it in that time and you can't have it in this time and we will do everything in our power to take that away from you and one of the things that i have found to be a common theme in black stories is that you need to take care of yourself and you need to make sure that you are okay. And this is something that I have found to be true in black stories as in almost any other ethnicity, their stories, as much as they're about the community and they're about, um, you know, the, um, the group, 
it's also about how do I make it? How, how, how do I ensure my survival? Because I know that my community will live on. But how do I live on? And, and that's, that's a story that is really personal to anyone who is seen as another. And we see that here where uh, Dr. Thomas is hunting him down. It's right. not it, it, it's not a white man, really, that's hunting him. You know, there, there is Lieutenant Peters, but the guy who's hunting him, the, the for all intents and purposes, the Van Helsing of this movie is Dr. Gordon Thomas. Yeah. And the idea yeah. here is that he needs to make it too. he needs to survive in this world. We're all out for survival and we will do everything in our power to survive and you are expendable for it and it's not a nice message i don't think but i think it's a very real message and it it's one that makes you say like if if i can't even secure my survival and the survival of the person i hold most dear which is ultimately the biggest jab that he's given that not once but twice he loses his love through no fault of his own. Right. Like what, what does that say? You know, and it's, it's, it's a very bleak theme here, but it's, it, it's one that needs to be discussed. And it's one that needs to be talked about. Like how difficult is it to be black in America? I don't know, but movies like this help me to understand. And they, they, they make it so that I, I'm never going to experience that. But I can try to understand what that's like so that I can become an ally, so that I can become someone who's going to say, hey, no, nah, man, cut that the fuck out. This guy just wants to live his life, you know, and, and that to me is the beauty of this movie. And I don't know if it's the first black horror movie. It's the first one that comes to mind. But it's certainly, I think, one of the best examples of how you take something that is a very very black story something that unless you're black you're not really going to identify with like you might identify with certain aspects of this but you're gonna say fuck that's powerful that's 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 incredible and and i i gotta i gotta try to do something about this yeah it, i don't know if that makes any cool. sense oh no it makes it makes plenty of sense and and just the idea, you know, we, we had a very similar conversation back when we did Candyman. And, and it's mm -hmm. the idea of taking all of that and taking something that if you if, if, if that's what the label said, mm -hmm. right, then it would then it would scare people off. So what do you do? You, you package it in in this in this movie called Blackula and people go, hey, that's clever, you know, and, and then and yeah. then they're going to watch it. Uh, the, you know, uh, the Twilight Zone thing, like, where yeah. Aliens can talk about communism, but they can't say the word communism. Yeah, racism. And so, and so you, and you know, they they did they did a very similar thing with Candyman, where they they packaged this movie that is just jam packed with with social commentary and and telling these stories. And like, oh, but it's that's just a scary movie. Take a date, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's 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 a genius move to tell this story the way they did. Absolutely. Um, go ahead. Oh no, that's I just listening. So, um, it so what we have here 
is a story that is rife with with social commentary and with these ideas of love and love lost and and all of these things. But the people who bring it to us, there's a lot of folks in the cast to this mm-hmm. movie. And so uh, it what we so what we want to talk about now is just, you know, these are our New York natives is, is what we're calling this section. And what we get is a cross section of a lot of the different types of people who you may have met in New York in 1972. So lots of people to talk about here. Uh, But I'm going to start with you, Dave. I mean, who stands out? Who's the most ambitious for you? So, I mean, William Marshall is the title character. But for me, there's, there's one person who stood out for me in, in a way that I was like, Damn it. And, and, and I've seen him in other stuff before. And every time I see him, he's got this gravitas to him. Uh, and, and it's, uh, it's Thalmas uh, Rasalala. Fuck, man. Every time he's on screen, it's like everything else. It, it's, it's shot in vignette when he's on screen because everything kind of dims around him and he just soaks up all the light. And it's, it's absolutely incredible because there's like, I believe every word that comes out of his mouth. He could have been saying the sky was purple. He could have been saying that, uh, that, that, you know, uh, this fuck that there's a vampire running around the middle of fucking Brooklyn. And I would have believed it. And I did believe it. He's, he's got such style. And that's the other thing. Like, fuck, this guy can dress. You know, like he's 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 doing the whole uh, turtleneck with the with, with with the tweed blazer. You know, he's he's it, 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 fuck, man, the swagger that this yes. guy's got. Like, I want to be him when I grow up like strong mustache game. Oh, wrong mustache game. I will never have that mustache. Never. <laughs> a, lot, never. a lot of corduroy, too. You got to wear a lot of corduroy to be him. Yeah. And I, I love me some corduroy, man. In fact, I, I'm going to wear some tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you better air yourself out. You might chafe down there. You uh, I, I, oh no, it's already chafed. It's, it's all just raw down there now. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do any more damage. So, um, yeah, man, he is so amazing as Doctor Thomas. It's it's such it's such um like a a great modernization of Abraham Van Helsing. He he uh, he he makes it current, makes it modern. And he's also like really caring and loving because uh, Michelle, uh, played by Denise Nichols, um, man, I mean, he's really, really kind of it's almost paternal with her. I mean, there, it's obvious romantic what's what's going on there. There's definitely an attraction, um, but it's like the scenes where he's trying to like have her not freak out. Like he was calming yeah. me, you know, and I'm like, nah, I'm just, I'm just a casual observer out here on the, uh, on the outside, man. I'm not even inside the TV, you know, ain't nothing <laughs> going to get me out here, but, but man, he was, he was calming me down. You know, he, there's, there's such a, a, a calm, cool, collected attitude uh, that he had. And, and I, I thought it was fantastic. All right, Carl, who stands out for you, man? Well, I'm going to do the obvious one uh, for comic relief. I mean, obviously, uh, William Marshall. I mean, not for comic relief, but William Marshall. I said before, but uh, but Skillet. Just yes. I love the Skillet. An and Alabama, think... an Alabama boy. It's from uh, it's from he's from Helena, Alabama. Hmm. Oh no way! 
Yeah. Uh, that guy should be in every freaking movie. He should be in, you know, <laughs> he should be in Star Wars and be like, man, that Darth Vader is a strange dude. You know, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you see the, the cape on him? I was about to say, he's got to think for capes, right? So he, he's in The Shining. Man, why is that kid talking to his finger? You know, I could see Skillet like everywhere. You know, and it's but Skillet points out like facts, like guys, this guy's weird. Like, what is he doing with a cape? Like, yeah. you know and, and and this brings me back. Granted, this is dated, but I mean, I remember a time where you could actually leave the phone number with the babysitter and they could page you at the restaurant. And that happens in that movie yeah, where they find Dr. Uh, Dr. Thomas and like, Dr. Thomas, <laughs> your office wants you. And um, that's good before cell phones and pages. You'd have to be like, well, I'm, you know, at so-and-so bar or so-and-so restaurant. And they'd actually would call and you would have to pick up. And that just, that cracked me up. Like nobody will understand that because they're like, that's a plot hole. Yeah. Why would they know he's at this bar? Because he probably right. told them, you know, now, you know, you know what I want to see. I want to see the movie. Where, where, uh, like it takes place in the 60s or something, and the guy walks up to like you know, the, the, it, it, yeah, skillet walks up to the receptionist and he's like, Hey, so, uh, I'm gonna be down at the corner bar, right? If you need me, you give me a call, right? And then he leaves and like she looks over and she's like, We're Which not bar? gonna fucking call him, like he, he's not important, <laughs> you know, like, like every time that happens, it's like, man, that's an important fucking guy, they knew where to get him. Yeah, and that is so. Um, if you're gonna date the movie, like that's what's one part of it, you know, that and the, yeah, the giant film camera that the the, the lady takes pictures that thing, of, yes. yeah, which made me kind of laugh. And I go, Well, how does Black Hill know what a camera is to go after her? Yeah, to realize that he's not going to show up in the picture, yeah. Well, it's kind of like how hole, Michael but... Myers knows how to how to drive, you know, uh, <laughs> when, when, when he steals the car in, well, in 1978, you know, how does he? I don't know, it it. it do I care? Not really. No, I mean it was there for the jump scare, obviously. For you know, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a horror movie. He has to eat some people, so you know. <laughs> right. <But> again, <laughs> antiquated. Like, well, what is? Why is she in a room with red? It's it's called a dark room, honey. It's, right. Yeah. You know, before you know, you took pictures on your phone. You actually had to print yeah, them out had, on medium format paper. You had you paper. Had you had something like this. She didn't you even had, have that. Didn't huh? didn't didn't have a screen in the back, Pentax? right? You, uh, uh, th- this is a, a, a Fuji. Uh, it's a, it's a it's a Fujika 35. You had to look through this thing here. It was called a viewfinder. All right, for all you little kitties at home. And then you press this little button, and it took oh, a God. picture. And then you had to advance the film with this little lever here. Um, Dave, what's film? What, you, what film? Film on my film. teeth? What are you talking about? Yeah, w- w- welcome to Shiver, a 35 millimeter podcast. <laughs> Guys who are old and like to eat cheese podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is the oldest we've ever been on the show. It is. It's 1972, and she's taking pictures with medium format film. I mean, it doesn't (laughs) get older than that. It really doesn't. It's borderline the 60s. Yeah. But um, I love the whole cast. I agree with you guys. The 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 cast. I mean, uh, completely solid. My my favorite thing about the cast, um, stand you know, stand out for me, like I said, as Skillet was just spectacular. He served as comedic relief, but also like Carl said, I mean, he he served as like the voice of like how is he the only yeah, guy who realized that that uh, that he was weird, right? Like something wrong was, with this guy, man. Yes, he was the only one who saw that, and so that was spectacular. But guys, I there's guess- like two hundred years worth of moth bites in this guy's cape. <laughs> Have you not seen that? I like when he starts starts screwing with him, and he's like, "Man, I buy that cape off of you." 
like you're telling basically Count Dracula, I'm going to buy that cape off of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like I said at the top, my favorite thing about the cast for this movie was that we did get a little bit of everything. Yes, the 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 gay couple that we got was ridiculously over the top, right? We've got the lisp and the cigarette holder. Oh my gosh, obviously they must be gay, you know. And and you know, <laughs> they're very well. How else would you know? You you know that chintzy couch that we have and or that chintzy bed that we have in the guest room. Yeah, what if we use this instead. <laughs> like, oh. God, I was like, what are you talking about? It's, it's like terrible. they're sitting around writing. It's like, what's the gayest word you know? Chintzy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's got a cigarette holder. That. Yeah, that's gay. <laughs> and so 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 we you know we kind of we 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 go from them. We've got we've got you know uh skillet who's your your stereotypical 70s guy in in the club but then everybody else shows so much breadth of character like i didn't i didn't realize uh i when you were talking about uh the oh my god uh william marshall's you know pedigree i i didn't mm -hmm. know that and so i'm just sitting around like wow this guy's bringing just an incredible bit to this and then you've got his, you've got uh the Oh my God! Names are just completely escaping me right now. Um, uh, the the Denise Nicholas character, Michelle. Michelle. She um, yeah, she like works in like the crime lab, right? So these are people who are respected in their fields, and and you're seeing you're seeing them do all of these things, and they're in positions to to make all of that to to make all of this happen. There was there was never a there was never a, you know, a white savior moment in this movie. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact, they were all, you yeah. know, th those were the people who didn't believe them. He tells them to lock, he tells the corner, lock the door. Just trust me, no matter what you do for, don't forget to lock the door. Does he lock it? No, he doesn't lock it. Why does he feel like he needs to listen to this guy? To make and a great so, team. yeah. <laughs> also, and, also that guy, Sam, uh, played by, um, Elijah by Elijah Cook Jr. Man, he's such a great character actor. I've seen him in so many old movies. Uh, but one of the best, I think, uh, uh, is The Killers. Um, and, oh, yeah. Maltese um, Falcon. Uh, yeah, Maltese Falcon, too. And yeah. fuck, man, he's just, he always kills it in, in whatever role he's in, no matter how big, how small. That's that's a guy who's like, hey, there's Elijah Cook Jr. again. Yeah. yeah. But absolute standout for me, head and shoulders above the rest. And, uh, you know, I, part of this is just, is, is just purely cosmetic, but there's nothing I can do about this. Y'all, Vanetta McGee. What a oh smoke show, man. God, what wow. a bombshell. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah. Uh, she was so incredibly gorgeous. And I, I, I mean, just there were, there were, there was a scene or two where I was like, I, 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 I don't know what anybody just said. I've just been staring. Like yeah. I need to, yes. yeah, I, I've got to, I, I, let me, let me rewind just a minute. Okay. Okay, cool. There's, there's some plot. Sure. And but, the thing uh, is she's uh, talented, man, because yes, like yes. I, she's distractingly beautiful and her acting would pull me back into the scene. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was weird, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, that's, and that's the thing while she is, that gorgeous it she didn't lean on it as as an excuse to just half-ass deliver lines mm -hmm. and not be there she was present in more than just her aesthetic beauty her voice the way that she interacted um with with mama walde just all of that was it was so good and the 
that moment where they're where they're lying in bed and he and he wakes up and he says, you know, I, I have to go now or else it will mean death. And and she's sitting there and you can see it on her face. And she says, I, I want I, I want to go with you, but I'm scared. You know, she's she's all in at this point of, of being the the reincarnation uh, of uh, Luva from mm-hmm. from 200 years prior when when he was around the first time. And she you see it in her face that she's completely committed to everything he has to say. And the way she delivers that line, I knew. I knew that that the only thing stopping her was this idea of having to be bitten and turned undead. And 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 then, but then what does he do? Man comes right back in with that voice and it, it what he says, uh, it, it won't you have be to do pain. the voice. You have to yeah. do the voice. <laughs> I'm so bad at voices. It won't be, it won't be painful of that. I can assure you, you know, and it's just yeah. like, oh, shit, yeah. I'd let this That's not bite bad. Me not too. bad. You, you got that. I my eyes. I thought that was William Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and then, and then you just kind of, you see it like wash over her. And when she freaks out, you know, when, when they all find out and she won't let her go and they, they won't let her go because she knows that they're all after him and and she just has a complete come apart because she loves this man 48 hours and she's all in just everything she did to deliver on that role was was at her her performance was as beautiful as she is as a person and like you said Dave you're it was it was easy to be distracted by how pretty she was but then she was so good at what she was doing that it it I would that's what pulled me back in you know, there, there are, there are plenty of actions throughout history. I'm not going to sit here and shit on anybody, but there are plenty of people who have had multi-film careers just based on being distractingly pretty enough that you don't notice how terrible they are at acting and delivering lines. She was not that. And that was, that was amazing to me. I, I just, I was entranced by her. I, it was, it was absolutely amazing to, to watch her perform, to see her in this role. I, I just, I thought she was great. She managed to do something that is still making me guess about her character's motivations. Um, she played Tina Luva uh, so subtly that I still don't know whether she was charmed by Mama Walde right. or whether she really was the reincarnation of Luva who recognized him in, in some, um, you know, sort of like primal way where it's like, yeah, we are connected. Um, yeah. That sort of subtlety in your acting uh, to, to, to make me keep thinking about it, because, you know, I'm I'm sort of a cinematic guy like I, 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 I love looking at directors. I love looking at cinematographers. I like performances, but they don't speak to me, even like the greatest of great performances. They don't speak to me the way that uh, that a camera does. They don't speak to me the same way that uh, that a typewriter does, you know, with uh, with, with the writer. Um, uh, no offense, Carl, uh, but uh... <laughs> I like typewriters. <laughs> no, good, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Let me just uh, click clack here away uh, invite Carl back. Um, but man, that when, when someone can do something on screen that sticks with me and makes me 
keep thinking like what was going on in that character's head where I start giving a character, which you're traditionally not supposed to do. Literary analysis says you don't give characters human motivation because they're not humans. They're characters, they're constructs. Right. right? But I'm thinking of her as a person like, was she charmed? Was she Luva? And that to me, that's one of the, like, if you can do that, you have won. Yeah, you acting is not a, not 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 a competition to win, except uh, you know the Oscars and you know the, 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 <laughs> except the for all those awards the, that you can Emmys win for being a better actor than yeah. everyone. Else. Uh, but but or the opposite, she, she wins. <laughs> yes, or the ones you can win for being terrible. Uh, right, the Razzies. The Razzies. Right. Every, Tom everyone Hanks, likes a Razzie. Tom Hanks nominated for a Razzie this year, by the way. Really. Yeah, for I, 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 he did some sort of Pinocchio remake or something. It was apparently uh, awful. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I think it was Zemeckis. No, Zemeckis did that one. Possibly, I don't know. I, I just I don't believe so. these things should compete either way. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's, how do you say that? You know, this person's performance is as is not as good as somebody that as equal, and we can name four thousand examples. I just, right. You know, that's why George C. Scott I think stayed home one year or something when he won. I think for oh god, Patton. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, I don't think we should compete. And yeah. I, I, you know, I agree. I mean, because there's always these fights. Well, how come so and so didn't get it? Oh, maybe, you know, I, I consider that person as good as the person who won. Right. So it's only I had to behold her kind of thing. Like, for example, when I win for the mutilator, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be like Dustin Hoffman and say that none of them lost. None of my nominees fell, the nominees lost. So, yeah. <laughs> perfect i said it on this show guys i don't want to hear it but i never did i didn't say it okay he, he called it he called the shot i called it right now it was a great bambino pointing out into left field okay so um That's th- right there's there's one there's one character that we did not we all mentioned and 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 did not um spend a, a significant amount of time talking about and i'm grateful for that because uh our penultimate section here is one that we're calling Mama Walde, Prince of Darkness. It's like we yes. knew he was going to get his own section. Almost. <laughs> and um, so it, it, following in, in, in the same vein as, uh, as, as Universal Studios with the, the, the tragic monster, right? Um, Marshall's performance as Mama Walde is, I think... He did an Oscar. That yeah, happen. this this is the stuff of legend here. I mean, this this is Boris Karloff as Frankenstein. This is Bela Lugosi as Dracula, um, but updated. And um, so I, I've I've thrown it to you, Carl. I'm going to throw it to to you, Daniel. Uh, first, um, what do you think of of William Marshall as Mom Walde? Man, he... as vi- as as villain as character, but also as villain as Mom. Right as. As as a as as a character, I mean, he's he's just he's just stellar, right? But when you look at the the villainous aspect of it, when you when you look at this idea of you know uh, we, we that that reference that you made, you know, villain versus monster, he so beautifully portrayed that dichotomy of the tragic monster. Um, also just funny, you mentioned Boris Karloff cause I was, I was looking at him while you were doing your thing there and he understudied Boris Karloff as Captain Hook, um, on Did Broadway he? one time. Yeah. Really? Oh. So, uh, <laughs> it's like the first thing in his wiki. I, I don't, I don't know much about the guy. I just happened to catch that line and you're like, or it's like, you said Boris Karloff, like as I was reading, I was like, that's crazy. Um, but, uh, so he, 
he this is a this is a guy who has every right in the world to be pissed off. This is a man who was doing nothing except for looking out for his people and trying to end the slave trade, trying to further his his community and was punished for it in in one of the most wicked and and terrible ways. And so when he does come back is 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 he a monster? Yes, he has to eat he has to eat people to live and people and he is it's it's killer be killed for him. And so he does he does kill quite a few people, like a lot Damn. of people. And uh and so you 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 can't very well be like, "Oh, well he's uh, but he's he's kind of a hero." No. <laughs> I mean, the dude's a villain, right? Mm-hmm. But he's a relatable villain. It's easy to be uh, empathetic to his plight. And that is only accented by the fact that William Marshall's voice just so perfectly God. sells yeah. all of this. The mo- my my favorite is is after Dr. Thomas is is on to him. And but they're still they're still playing they've got they've got a couple of chess moves left. And they're sitting they're sitting there at the club. And and they start talking, and he says, uh, "Do you do you, do you know much about the occult?" And he says, "Oh, you mean what the what the world has deemed the black arts, you know?" And like, and and he says, "Well, do, do you do you believe that vampires are real? Is the devil real, you know?" And he's just, and it's and it's it's all like he's like, "No, you're not going to outsmart me. I see what you're doing, and yeah. I get it, and I can play this game too." That the tension in that moment was so so good sold perfectly by both of those guys but i mean again if it is a competition i mean uh thalmas got waxed he just i mean it was and and just the the presence that that william marshall brought to that role and then man the end right when he when it's it's over for him he's he's got nothing left I've 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 lived to lose you twice. So what you know? What else is there? And and he just and he just commits to to putting himself into the sunlight. And you went that the the that sequence where he's going up the steps, man. It was it was haunting and it was yeah. gorgeous. It he just yeah. he he did amazing things. Like honestly, if we were to go back and rework that episode of Geek More about cinematic vampires, like Blackula is is a contender now. Because oh, yeah. the, yes. he, this, this was an amazing role. Carl? Yeah. Well, the movie should have been probably titled Prince Mamawale. But right. Yeah. Nobody would know what that is. So that's why they called it Black. <laughs> right. Yeah. That doesn't so sell. People, that doesn't you know, sell. Exactly. Like, what the hell is that? Um, yeah. It's again, William Marshall, just all the way. Like he wrote it. He wanted to convey this message of i don't want to say an anti-hero because that's kind of cliche but you i never double negatives i always root for him Mm. and i i know he's a monster and i know he's killing people but he was made that kind of what uh daniel was saying by dracula and he has to eat blood and he has to you know procreate and make more vampires which um leads into like one of the one of his greatest set pieces in the warehouse um, where he has his brethren of vampires descend on uh, Dr. Thomas and the other police. Oh yeah. When they throw the lanterns that seem to combust when they break open and nobody (laughs) understands why I might be crazy, but Dave (laughs) helped me out with this one. (laughs) 
Sure. Rem- okay, remember, you guys know aliens, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. 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 The sub-basement where the Marines are going in and they can't, you know, use their weapons because of the, the thermonuclear or whatever. Right. And all of a sudden, all the aliens come out of the walls. Yeah. I was getting a little bit of, like, like, huh. Not saying that James Cameron ripped off Blackula. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but it, it's almost where, you know, the cop, one cop's dying and they're screaming the cop's name. And, you know, it's like, where's so-and-so? And, and all of a sudden, you know, the, they're coming at him and now throwing firebombs. Like in Aliens, they had, Drake had the flamethrower. I'm yeah. like, huh. I wonder if this was some, <laughs> but as a writer, subconsciously, this might that might have been in someone's mind when they were. Yeah, I know. He, uh, Cameron always mentions Vietnam as like the the big inspiration behind um, behind that movie and and the the approach that he took to to writing the Marines, the Space Marines. Right. But like you said, I mean, you you watch things, you love things. And they influence your work course, in, yeah. in countless ways that you don't even think about. So um, it's funny. As soon as you mentioned it, I was like, oh, no, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, they dispense with the nest and they, you know, they close right. a giant metal door like they like the APC and aliens. Like, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. And of course, you know, William Marshall's with it. Good evening, gentlemen. <laughs> Both of also, them, what like, a, you know, what an action packed scene. What oh, a great fucking yeah. scene. And Dude. 1972, no CGI. Yeah. You know those are all guys on fire. Yes, yes, yes. yes. No, that we was... need more burning dudes on screen these days. You're damn right, we do. Dude, not <laughs> and, and not not enough people taking falls where we see the whole damn fall. Yeah. Like James when, Bond when movies. The, yeah, where the right. vampire the vampire came off of a 30 foot stack and we watched them crash yes. down. Damn yes. it! If mankind could do it, I w- <laughs> <laughs> then the more movies. In the yeah, but have you seen Mick Foley these days? <laughs> <laughs> a rough scene man <laughs> like uh yeah like in the early james bonds in the 70s guys are falling out of planes yeah you know guys are falling off of cliffs um they did that shit for real smoking yes. the bandit with the cars yeah. launching and stuff they had no cgi <laughs> like no. you had to do that you had to be lit on fire that's that's Again. one of the great things uh, about about these these older movies and and to their credit the James Bond movies are ones where they still do this you know where it's it's still just a guy doing the thing uh right. but like there's no question about how they did it right you know it's yeah. like no some crazy motherfucker got in a car and drove off a cliff, you know, <laughs> it's like, Oh, how, how did, how did, how did they do that scene where Roger Moore skis off the cliff and then he parachutes, you know, and uh, then it's the union Jack. Like, no, Max, some crazy fucking yeah. guy did that. Yeah. Cause they somebody was guy. like, what do you, yeah. Ski yeah, off the, the road cliff, check. parachute. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No problem. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. How many, yeah. how many times do I gotta do that? Two times? Three, how many? <laughs> you sure you don't need the third day? <laughs> Yeah, I love watching shit like because you know, like that's a dude falling yeah. off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully he made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, that scene was like, yeah, like I mean, vampires come out of everywhere, getting like lit on camera, which is mm-hmm. always dangerous. Even twenty twenty three, that's still dangerous. Yeah. To do. You know, it's um, it was wild, I and mean, probably that was the biggest set piece that they had because the rest of it was kind of like, you know. You know, uh, Black Eagle walks up to somebody and throws a guy against a wall. And yeah. They, you know, there's the budget. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, it, it, William Marshall uh, really cemented the the fact home with 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 this guy as um, he turns into a monster. He doesn't start a monster, but he forced with the the 
the the the nature of what happened to him, he becomes a monster to yeah. survive. And that is a metaphor. I mean, I don't want I don't want to go the the black metaphor, but I mean, it is a black metaphor. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, it, it it has it has to be acknowledged because it is a black story, you know, uh, about about the, the black officers, and the police officers are all white as well. Yeah. So I'm Man, sure there it, was there they was a some big... hard they dropped some hard f bombs. You want to talk yeah. about you want to talk about place in oh. this movie in time? Oh yes, yes, Woo! yes. <laughs> Yes, warning to everybody. It's a yeah. fifty-year-old movie, so yeah. you're gonna hear movie. stuff. Yeah, they, they, ooh, yeah, they don't, they don't pull any punches when it comes to talking about the uh, the gay couple. No, um, no, and, no, and no, how no. they refer to him. Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's a, there's a time capsule for you as to when this movie was made. Yeah. Right, but that uh, doesn't make it bad. I mean, oh no, I mean, no, 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 it's a, bad. Yeah, it's you. You've got to look at things through the lens of of when they were made. Absolutely. You know, it's you, it's it's for for as, as much as as people bitch about cancel culture and all that, and I, you know, not to go on that rant, but you can't it's it's not fair to look at something that was acceptable at the time and to now look back and be like, oh, this is awful because of that. No, that's just that's how people talked in the 70s. That's why when you make a period piece now, you can still say certain things because it, it fits the time. Yeah, right. Um, I think my, my favorite thing about William Marshall's performance is that, um, and I, I definitely wouldn't rank, uh, Charles McCauley in like, you know, the, the pantheon of great Dracula actors, but he was pretty good. Yeah. William Marshall matches him. It's, it's like a, it's, it's like a tit for tat at that very beginning of the movie um like this is a very evenly matched um diplomatic repartee that's going on here um there's never there's never a moment in which i thought um mama walde is the the guy who's like in in the back like he's 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 right up there with him like there's there's such a strength to him and there's there's such a um, and, and part of it is his voice. You know, I mean, we, we've been trying to do his voice all night. You can't. Right. You can't do his voice. I um, want some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's just impossible because there's there's such like a, um, a stoicism to it. There's there's such a an intelligence, you know, it's like, man, you know, it's, it's 1800s. And like, I feel like you, you could like outperform me in any trivia, you know, like you, you are just the, you're the smartest guy in the room. You're the most cavalier guy in the room. You're um, I mean, the, the, the most charming guy in the room, you know, uh, he is only, put at a disadvantage because he's literally overpowered and he's, he's, he's turned into the very thing that, uh, that Dracula is, you know, which could be commentary on, uh, on colonization, on colonialism, maybe, um, you know, on, uh, the, 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 the whiteifying of, of the black man in the U S you know, uh, post slavery, um, Maybe I, I I don't know, um, but I think I see it there, and um, I I think that when he 
is released from the coffin and he comes out with all the anger of like 200 years, 300 years of, of, of pent up rage. Um, the fact that he's able to control that and feed only for need and not for want. Right. Um, like it, it, unless you are in his way, he's not like he's not Dracula. And that's that's one of the things that I love about him. Like Dracula eats because he wants to, you know, like that that uh, that really famous line in the original Dracula where he says, I never drink wine. You know, like there's there's <laughs> there's, there's this sense that like I love to indulge myself right in blood. I, I you know, I, um, uh, you know, I, I savor it. Uh, that's not the sense that I get from uh, from Mama Walde. Mama Walde does what he must do to survive, but really, his his drive, his motivation, is um, to be with Luva because that's that's what was taken away from him. Uh, yeah. You can yeah, you can turn him into a vampire. Yeah, you can lock him up for all these years, but it was that separation from the love of his life, listening to her go crazy, go hungry and die. Um, like that's, that's what really sticks in his craw. You know, like that's, that's the thing where he's like, I, I, I have a chance to have her again now. Um, I, I definitely see him as, as a, as a tragic villain. Is he a bad guy? Yes. I mean, he turns a bunch of people into vampires. Um, My new point, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but, but there's, there's something to be said about that too. You know, where it's like, listen, you took what I had from me. I'm going to make sure that by any means necessary, I have what I have the right to have. By any means, uh, you know, and if that means I have to make an army of vampires to ensure it, then so be it. Um, but there's there's something to him. There's a nuance to his performance. Uh, you know, that back and forth that he has with uh, with Dr. Thomas. Um, I don't think that any back and forth between Dracula and Van Helsing. And I have gone on record multiple times on this podcast saying that Peter Cushing is one of my favorite actors of all time. I think that his Van Helsing is the greatest Van Helsing, one of the best performances of all time. And like throw whoever you want out there. Like, yeah, the Godfather's great. It's filled with amazing performances. Uh, the Peter Cushing is just the fucking man. Uh, that between him and uh, Mama Walde and Dr. Thomas. Fuck. I mean, that's that's one for the ages. That is a showdown where it's like, man, I want to see that again. And I, I don't know if uh, they pair up again in uh, Scream, Black and Scream. Scream. Because uh, I, I, I've never seen it. And in fact, I've never even looked into it. Let me see what's going on here. No, it doesn't look like he's in there. Oh, uh, oh Arnold Black is in it, though. Okay, Pam Greer's in it. Holy fuck! Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. they made. Wow. Okay, they got so more I gotta money. watch this too. Yeah, they got more <laughs> money and they made a sequel that is the super schlock version of what this could have been. <sighs> yeah. Blackula means something, but Scream Blackula. All right, now let's put a bunch of you know, you know, some, some boobies running around and let's you know cut some people's heads off and that kind of stuff. And uh, so that one really is like the 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 hammer horror. Version. Yeah, it's yeah, not the, right. Yeah, yeah. And Richard Lawson is in it. Who? Okay, this is a rabbit hole. Richard Lawson is in uh, Scream Black of the Scream, who's 
also the guy who played Ryan in Poltergeist. I think you guys did Poltergeist, right? Yeah, uh, I don't think we've done Poltergeist. Uh, uh, no, I, I was thinking that maybe you guys did it before I was on the show. No, I don't think no, so. No, I'm thinking of The Exorcist. Uh, um, I guess I have to come back for that. There we go. <laughs> and his I, I daughter, Poltergeist. His daughter is Bianca Dawson, who was in uh, Save the Last Dance, and she was oh. in a remake, I feel, of Black Hill called Bones. With Snoop Dogg. With Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so, wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, right. I got I got you my kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that takes us to the point in the show where it's time that we rate this thing. And so just to remind everybody, we only rate a movie against itself. So we don't use stars for every movie. We create a unique rating system. Carl, you listened, but I forgot to tell you, but hopefully you know. And if not, that's okay. We've got some ideas. We always like to throw to the guests first. Do you have what we should rate this out of a possible five? Well, we have to have the strange dudes. I mean, one oh, out of five there strange we go. dudes. I mean, or home All right. tapes. Or... All right. So out of a possible five, strange dudes. Carl, what do you give Blackula? Well, I got to give it five. I mean, yes, there is cheese, like we keep saying, the pub cheese. Okay, like the makeup isn't the greatest. With everybody, but it's 1972. They had no idea what uh, HD was going to be. Right. And some things don't hold up. But at the end of the day, it actually works as a story, a very good one. Mm-hmm. And you follow the character of Mama Wild through the entire thing. And it's a character study as well as, um, I'm not going to say it's scary, but there are some very um, attempts at scares. There's right. like, good jump scares, I yeah, think. The the one like the one the, in the in the dark room, that's a great one. That's a good one. And I was gonna say the cab driver running down that hallway with her hair all yeah, yeah, that one she was goes dope. after Elijah Cook Jr. So I would give it a five and I de- definitely recommend it. And uh people who aren't um accustomed to the 70s, just give it a chance. <laughs> yes, there are different <laughs> things in there that you're not gonna understand. Look it up. Yes, there's some language and some situations that kind of aren't 2023 pc who cares you're not gonna die just watch it this is right. fun okay and william marshall is amazing with that voice of his so <laughs> it, you're going to watch it all the way through oh my god that hurts doing that but, <laughs> i'm gonna all be right. like in the next movie i do dave uh i'm gonna go the same i mean this if this isn't five out of five strange dudes what the fuck is right you know um, and, and I can't think of anything that would also be five out of five strange dudes. Like this is the perfect strange dude movie, you know, um, for everything that we've said, you know, I, I, I don't want to keep, you know, waxing poetic about this, but this, this is a piece of, of cinema history here that actually lives up to its reputation. Um, and I don't get to feel that often. Because uh, because I have such a like weird taste in movies and I love watching older movies, there's very few movies that I've uh, I, I haven't experienced uh, this with, um, you know, and I'm not saying I'm like some sort of guru or stuff because I watch things and then I never get back to them again. and I forget, you know, um, but this is one where it's like, God damn, like this was fucking awesome. I was watching this and already thinking I can't wait to watch this again yeah yes yeah no i'm with you look we're, we're gonna go across the board with five out of five strange dudes i it for for all the reasons that we talked about and for another reason that we only kind of 
talked about a little bit, but the soundtrack on this thing is so oh, good. The oh, band, the band in the club is the Hughes Corporation, who yes. even if you've never heard of them, they're the ones who sing "Rock the Boat," and I yes. know you've heard that song. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a multi platinum single. Uh, they were their their performance was so good. The both of them because both songs were fucking killer. Yes, uh, the theme like Carl has talked mm. about. I mean, just for, just every element of this is memorable, and the things that are cheesy, they're not laughable. They're just products of budget and the time, yes. and they, they they absolutely made them part of the movie. They leaned into the fact. That they that they had not much of a budget and they created an excellent excellent movie out of it. So yeah, we're gonna go across the board five out of five strange dudes because I I loved it. I can't wait to watch this one again. Excellent. Has that ever happened? Like a fifteen out of uh, a possible? <laughs> well, uh, actually, there has. was uh, it, it has. Yeah, I believe I believe Alien is uh, Alien oh, was. Alien was an 18, actually. That's when we had Lisa 18 on. 18 out of 15. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we, I... yeah, we got 18 out of 15 on Alien. We all gold start Alien. <laughs> Can I give it, what was it, what was it, 10 Space Cats? I will give it 10 Space Cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, so there you have it. Across the board, five out of five strange dudes. Carl, we know you talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Um, tell us about Mutilator 2, man. What are we in for when we get a chance to see this movie? What you can tell us without getting yourself in any trouble. <laughs> if you watch the trailer, um, it is made kind of clearish it is not a direct sequel to the mutilator it is a movie of the making of a sequel to the mutilator we <laughs> was very, in a movie. very new nightmare uh i you know what i was gonna say that kind of meta like yeah. like the new nightmare like um uh uh ruth martinez is in it and so is bill hitchcock from the original mm. so those two are playing themselves in the movie and what I can say is that a murder takes place, and it's a murder mystery. Okay, and, I'd like to hear it. Um, all the characters in the movie uh, have something to do with the plot of what the the end game of the Mutilator Two is. Um, and I am throughout the film. Uh, I can't tell you what I am, but I am. Uh, a suspect like about a hundred other characters are. <laughs> um, and when I, I was talking about Joe Castro before, but he has made some very cool kills there. Okay. Here's a spoiler alert. People die in the movie. Cause it's a horror movie. What? Um, don't tell nobody. Never mind. Okay. Never, mind. Right. Never mind. But the kills, when I read it in the script of what was to happen, the action in it, I was like, Oh, I cannot wait to see this on film. Even if I wasn't in it, I want to see what, how they put this on film. This is going to be cool. Like I one actually, of the best kills in, uh, even though I wasn't a fan, and I know you guys were a fan of the the recent reboot of Texas Chainsaw. Um, <laughs> not a fan, but the kills in that movie were amazing. Like, yeah, I mean, they're just uh, incredibly inventive kind of kind of uh, things you could do with like latex and blood. Same thing with this. Yeah. So everything is well. It it is what Mutilator like, is known for. You know, yeah. Mutilator is known for its story or its acting or it, it's those kill effects, man. Yeah, and they. They uh they hold up even uh, today. Yeah, you know I mean, those effects are just uh just amazing in the first one, and it was great to, to actually be directed by Buddy Cooper who directed the first movie, hmm. and to have and Ruth and Bill kind of also played like a backstage type of thing with um props and everything, so they were kind of helping uh, us all during the shoot, and it, at one point I had you know uh Buddy Cooper right here and I had 
Bill and Ruth kind of doing last looks on me. And I'm like, this is surreal. I got two <laughs> stars in the last movie and the director right here, making sure that I'm okay for this next scene that they were about to shoot. So I had a blast doing it. And a uh, majority of the cast that on crew kind of keeps in communication with each other. And that's rare because normally on a film shoot, you're like, yeah, bye. Okay. Don't talk to me. Bye. <laughs> bye. Yeah. But well, um, I hope it comes out this summer. I will. I'm sure if you go to the IMDb page, there are updates. Uh, we just, as far as I know, the director, Mr. Buddy Cooper wants to put it in to theaters. So like what happened with Terrifier 2, mm-hmm. I would love to see it happen with the Mutilator 2. And That's awesome. And mouth man. spreads around. So please, when it comes out, just go out and purchase a ticket because you will love it on the big screen yeah i mean and that's 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 always that's always something we're saying like get Mm -hmm. get out there and support these ones that that are only getting one or two showings a day prove to these film companies that these movies will put butts in seats no absolutely and um i'm like i said before i'm a huge fan of movies in general but like the slasher movies from the 70s and the 80s you know, if I don't want to watch the next episode of Yellowstone, you know, let me put the mutilator on, or let me put the <laughs> yeah. you know, slumber slumber party massacre on, or something. You know, or the house One of these sorority ho. Slumber party, slumber party massacre is 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 truly like the unicorn of this podcast. Like we know we're we're eventually gonna do yeah. it. But it's like it's just it's it's a weird one to be like. I guess it's finally the week to do slumber party massacre, right. but it's 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 gonna happen. That, or the uh, house well, of sorority row, for that matter. I mean, that's that's oh, one that it, I mean, it's 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 right for this this show. Uh, so you know? You're right, you're right. It is. Yeah. Well, Carl, thank you so much, man. You were awesome. We appreciate so the fun. insight into Mutilator too. Uh, we appreciate all your support. Where can people find you online? Keep up with you. Any social deets you need to drop? Uh, just always uh, on Instagram at Carl J Grasso and Facebook, uh, I believe at Facebook Carl J Grasso or Mutilator Two IMDb. That will give you all the updates because there's an Instagram of Mutilator 2 and a Facebook as well as Mutilator 2. Hashtag, I think it's not the Mutilator 2, it's hashtag Mutilator 2. Right. All right. Well, there we go. So. Well, get out there, support Carl, support this movie. Um, and if you haven't seen Blackula, go out and watch it. Uh, we are going Blackula. to because um, – because of my sickness, this is going to extend. We'll be done on March 1st. We are going to keep up with our uh, – we're going to be doing our month of black history, and we'll be back next month with the 90s. Classic might be a strong word, but I'm excited to do it on the show. We're going to be doing Tales from the Hood next week. Ooh, I'll call uh, it a classic. So so from, from, from the absolute apex um, and the beginnings of this to – Something completely and totally different with Tales from the Hood next week. So make sure you follow us at ShiverPod on everything. We're Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at ShiverPod. You can find us all of those places on there. Make sure you keep an eye out for announcements about what's coming up and hopefully a merch drop soon. Absolutely. So on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, fright you very much.